Once upon a time. In a land far away. I'm Katrina. And I'm Jeff. And welcome to the Fairy Tellers Podcast. Myth, legend, folklore, fable. We explore what they say about cultures then and now. Grab a hot cup of cocoa and a comfy seat. While we retell you a thing. So, welcome back to the Fairy Tellers Podcast. We're glad that you made it here to be with us today, because we need to talk to you about the devil. (laughs) So, this episode, we're going to have some fun talking about um, Satan. (laughs) And, I mean, what's more fun than talking about Satan? So, we're going to be... Telling a grim fairy tale that is actually one of my personal favorites. Jeff's going to be telling it. It's called The Devil and His Grandmother, which I'm like, that's super, super sweet. And then we're going to talk a little bit about tall tales and a tall tale that has a lot of similarities to this grim fairy tale. Love it. And so this will just kind of be a brief introduction (laughs) to tall tales using the vehicle of the devil. In keeping with our theme. Yes. All right. It would be weird if like you told a story about the devil and his grandmother. And then I was like, and now I'm going to tell you about Paul Bunyan. (laughs) 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 Who was also a very... Very wonderful grandmother. It would be very revealing about your feelings towards Paul Bunyan, that's for sure. <laughs> he's either a devil or he's a grandmother. Tune in and find out. All right. So, back in the day, there was a great war. And the king had many, many soldiers. But because there were so many soldiers, he wasn't able to pay them that much. So, they kind of weren't really able to live on it so they couldn't really make ends meet so these three soldiers were like you know what this life it's not really for us we're gonna desert so one of them is like well you know the sink this through if we desert and we get caught we're gonna be hanged so what are we gonna do like i'm all down for deserting but we just got to be smart about this and another's like okay look right over there there's a cornfield we're going to go hide ourselves in there. No one's going to find us besides that, you know, the troops aren't allowed to go in the cornfield, so they won't go in there looking for us. And they're like, you know, the net. And cornfields are classically very safe places. Yeah, there's like n- no creepy children that are known to hide in there and just murder you, you know. Scarecrows don't ever come to life and also murder you. But anyway, so they decide yeah, to. Very safe in the corn. They decide fields. to go hide in the corn. And they know like the, the army's supposed to march out the next day. So they're like. We hide here, they march away, we come back out, and then we can just go and live our lives. So they creep into the cornfield and they start hiding. But, unfortunately for them, the army does not march away. They stay by the cornfield for another two days and two nights. So these three soldiers that are hiding there start to get really hungry and they're like, oh my gosh, what's the use of deserting if we're just going to starve to death in a cornfield? And so... You know, they're stuck kind of between a rock and a hard place. They're like, well, we could go back out and we'd be hung for deserting or we could stay in here and die. This is some good like cost benefit analysis they're doing. Starve to death or hang to death. Hmm. (laughs) Great choices that we have. But just as they're, you know, pondering this, a fiery dragon comes flying through the air and it comes down to them because it's like, what are these guys doing? So it asks them, it's like, hey. Uh, what are you guys doing? And so like, well, we're soldiers. We deserted because the pay was bad and we couldn't feed ourselves. But now if we stay here, we're going to die of hunger. But if we go back out, then they're going to hang us and kill us. And so the dragon is like, well, I've got a proposition for you. If you serve me for seven years, I'll get you past the army so that no one can see you. No one will catch you. You'll be safe. And the soldier like, well, we kind of have no choice. So yeah, we'll accept your deal. So the dragon takes them up in his claws, carries them away past the army and then sets them down. But it turns out that this dragon was none other than the devil. That old dragon, the devil. So 
in keeping with the deal that he made with these soldiers, he gives them each a small whip and he says, you know, if you whip this whip, then as much gold as you want is going to come pouring out and you can live like great lords. You can have horses, you can have whatever you want. But when seven years comes to an end, you're going to be mine forever. And so he puts out a book and he says, all right, you just got to sign this book right here and the deal is done. And then I don't know why, maybe just because he likes messing people. He's like, I'll provide you a little way out. At the end of seven years, I'm going to tell you a nice little riddle. And if you can guess the answer to the riddle, you'll be free and you'll be released from my power. And you can just go on with your business. So the dragon flew away and the soldiers went away with their whip. And so they had as much gold as they wanted. They could buy clothes. They could travel the world. You know, they lived in pleasure. They got to do whatever they wanted. But it makes note to say they did nothing wicked. No, that's good. So the time began, you know, slipping away. The seven years were coming to an end and two of the soldiers started getting super, super worried. They're like, what are we going to do? The devil's going to come back. We're going to have to serve him forever. And the third one's like, guys, relax. I'm smart. I'll, I'll figure out the riddle and we'll all be free. And so the others are just like not comforted by this. So they're like out in the open country. They sit down and there's, you know, making these grumpy faces. And then an old woman comes up and she's like, hey. Guys, why are you so sad? And the two ones are like, two of the guys are like, oh, it doesn't concern you. You're not going to be able to help us anyways. And the lady's like, well, you never know. Why don't you tell me what's going on? And so they told her about the whole thing. Like, we've been the devil's servants for seven years. You know, we can have as much gold as we want. But now we're going to be, you know, have to give our souls to the devil at the end of these seven years, unless we can guess this riddle. So the old woman is like, You guys are in luck. I know just what to do. If you want to be saved, one of you has got to go into the forest. And when you go out into this forest over here, you're going to come across a rock. And that rock is going to look like a little house. And you're going to go into that house. And inside of that house, you're going to get some help. And so the two Debbie Downers of the group are like, (laughs) that's not going to help us. So they just sat there like Eeyore on the log. But the third one, the one who's smart and thinks he can figure it out, got up and is like, all right. And he starts walking through the forest. A little while later, he comes across the ho- the rock that looks like a house. And inside of the house is a very, very old woman who's sitting at the table. And it turns out that this woman is the devil's grandmother. And so she asked the soldiers like, hey, where'd you come from? What are you doing here? And so he told her everything. He told her about how there were soldiers and they deserted and they were going to die. And then the devil came and he gave them the whips. But then they were going to have to sell their cell to him after seven years. And, you know, after hearing the story, she was like, you know what? I feel bad for you. My grandson, he's doing this stuff all the time. Let me help you. (laughs) He's always, he's always getting into shenanigans. (laughs) He's always tricking people. Stealing people's souls. (laughs) Selling them souls. She's like, I'll help you. Here's what you're going to do. So she. I don't even know what he's doing with all those souls. (laughs) What are you doing with all the souls down there? So she lifts up this big stone that covers Sits up. in my basement. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I just love imagining this like old lady just like, oh, geez, he's always in the basement with his little plans to take people's souls. <laughs> so, yeah. So in order to help him, because she feels bad, she's like, lifts up a stone that covers up her cellar. And she's like, hey, climb down into my cellar. He's going to come over for dinner and you'll be able to hear everything that we're talking about up here. So just sit down there, don't move. And when he comes, I'll ask him about the riddle. And you know what? I'm his grandmother. He tells me everything. So just we'll figure, we'll, we'll get there. So at 12 o'clock at night, the dragon flies in and asks for his dinner, which as any good grandmother does, gives him, a, you know, lays a table and serves him up a lot of food. I know my grandma was like that. Oh yeah. And my grandma was always just like, do you need more pie? Yeah. Do you need more pie? Do you need more pie? And I'm like, oh my gosh. I saw her wake up a dude, not a relative. It was like a friend of my cousin's or whatever. He was like on the couch and he was taking a nap and my grandma like poked him and he was like, what? And she's like, you need to eat some cake. And it's like, does he need to grandma? Yeah. Or like, what? But yeah, and my she's grandma like, would no, be like, this we'd come over to her house child. and we'd have like just eaten. And she's like, oh, have you guys eaten? You need some dinner? I was like, no, that's okay. We just ate. And the next thing you know, she's like in the kitchen, like cooking something up and she feeds us. And we're like, 
eat it and we're like stuffed and then she's like do you guys want some cookies you want you want a dessert and we're like no grandma we're so full we've eaten so much food and then she doesn't care what you say next thing you know she's back in there like baking up a batch of cookies (laughs) like literally that literally happened anyway yeah and the devil's grandmother is no different so she feeds him his food (laughs) and so he was happy they're eating and drinking together and so she's like hey you know what kind of day did you have how many souls did you get and he's like, well, you know, today wasn't really a good day, but I got these three soldiers. Their souls are due to come to me. So I'm feeling pretty psyched about that. And the grandma's like, well, you never know. They may still get away. And he's like, ha, they're not going to get away. I'm just messing with them. You know, I got them a riddle, but they're never going to be able to guess this riddle. And so the grandma's like, oh, yeah, There's well. actually an Aesop fable that you don't count your souls before they're <laughs> snatched. Exactly. They may still get away, but the devil's like, I want people I want people to know that that's not an Aesop fable. <laughs> that was a joke off of an Aesop fable. But the devil's like, no, you know what? I got this in the bag. They're mine. I'm going to tell them a riddle, but they're never, ever going to be able to guess it. And she's like, oh, yeah? Well, what riddle is that? He's like, okay, I'll tell you. In the great North Sea lies a dead dogfish. That shall be your roast meat. And the rib of a whale shall be your silver spoon. And a hollow old horse's hoof shall be your wine glass. And it's like, I guess he's. That's not a riddle. <laughs> it's though. like, I guess he's right. Like, they're never going to be able to guess that. But also, like, is that a riddle? And it's like, that's not what a <laughs> riddle is, buddy. Someone needs to teach the devil what a riddle is. Someone needs. And it's probably his grandma should have been the one that taught him. So she's failed as. As an educator and as a grandma. You need to raise this boy right. Anyway, in this case, it's going to work out in favor of our heroes. So we'll let it slide. (laughs) Once the devil had gone to bed, the grandmother lifted up the stone and let the soldier out, which I was kind of afraid that the grandmother was going to turn. You know, she's the devil's grandmother. I was afraid that she was going to like have like double tricked him. But. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, she's she was a, a nice grandma. She's a nice old lady. So she let the soldier out and she's like, did you pay attention to everything? And he's like, yep, I know exactly what I got to do to save our souls. So he went out through the window and secretly snuck back through the forest or sneaked if you want to be pedantic and correct. I don't. Which I don't. So he snuck through the forest and he told them that the dev- he w- everything that happened. They went to the house and that he hid in the basement and that he heard the the devil tell the grandmother the riddle. So they were all super excited. And this is my favorite part of the whole story. It says their joy instead of good cheer. They took their whips and they started whipping so much gold out of these whips that it just started like raining down and falling over the ground. So they're like, they're like literally making it rain gold with their, their whips. Like, like yes so when the seven years had fully gone by the devil came by with the book and he was like hey looky here we got your signatures time for you to come with me but then comes the riddle he's like so when i take you down to hell i'm going to give you a meal but if you can guess what kind of roast meat you'll have to eat you'll be free and released from your bargain and as an added bonus you can keep your magical gold producing whip yeah yeah so the first soldier goes and he's like, well, in the North Sea lies a dead dogfish. That no doubt is the roast meat. And the devil was like, what? And he was really angry. He's like, hmm, hmm. Okay, well, then to the second, what will your spoon be? And he's like, oh, well, it's going to be the rib of a whale. That's to be our silver spoon. And so the devil is like, wow, getting angrier and angrier. And so he turns to the third and he's like, do you know what your wine glass is going to be? He's like, Phew. Well, an old horse's hoof will be our wine glass, of course. And so the devil gave like a loud cry and flew away, realizing he had no power over them anymore. And the three were able to keep their whip and whip for themselves as much money as they wanted. And of course, as all people with endless supplies of gold do, lived happily ever after. Yay. Thank you, devil's grandmother. She really is the best. She's the best. I mean, not to the devil, I guess. She kind of really, like, you know, made his life harder. There's plenty of souls in the sea. The devil and his grandmother. It's complicated. So, 
Just, I wanted to give a quick note on that Grimm's brother, like, fairy tale. So a lot of times in fairy tales, if you are... So a lot of times in fairy tales, if you encounter the devil inside of a fairy tale, it is usually post-Christianity coming in and influencing influencing the story. And the story might have already existed before right. Christianity came in. And if that's the case, what people did was they, much like we talked about with like in the Mother Holly and Krampus episode, the Christianity will kind of take different characters and pull them out and add Christian ones yeah. to the story so that it kind of lines up with what's relevant to them yeah. and kind of what they want to give. And so since the devil is like a kind of a Christian mythology figure, either Satan or his minions or like demons and stuff like that, those right. are Christian mythology yeah, figures. Yeah. What would usually happen is like the story would either have a much older pagan character, either like a trickster God mm-hmm. or someone similar to that, a giant uh, sometimes even like a dragon. Yeah. So it's interesting that the story started off that he dragon. was a dragon and then then revealed himself to be not a dragon. Yeah, because it's weird because it, he doesn't like, besides the fact that the way that they got away was because he like flew them out, there's nothing else about him that makes him have to be a dragon. Like yeah. they could have had it, they could have done some sort of magic to be in another way. He could have just been like some sort of like human-ish figure you know what i mean like there's so many ways they could have done it yeah so you could in this he one, could have just like snapped his little devilly fingers and yeah poof. popped them into a different place exactly like this one it does i mean it, it's interesting but it does seem just really like they added in like a line like oh yeah and by the way this dragon was the devil and then that's and then left the rest the same you know yeah and so when people hear the story and they hear like oh the devil and his grandmother they might be like well who is like Satan's grandmother is <laughs> like, because there's not even in Christian mythology, there's not a grandmother for the devil. Yeah, it's like we start going through I mean, our genealogy things. Yeah. It's like, okay, you go up, you got like God, but it's like, well, who's older than that? Cause that would be kind of the grandmother, right? Yeah. So like God's mom. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it, it stops making story. sense. And so it, Yeah, so it doesn't, yeah, it's like it doesn't fully make sense. So it's like, wait, why does the devil have a grandmother and why does she just like live in the woods? Yeah. But it's like either if it was like an old pagan trickster god who lived in the woods, then it makes sense that his grandmother also lives in the woods. If it was a dragon or a troll or a giant, that would also make sense why his grandmother's like in the woods. Lived in in like a rock house, like cave in the woods. Yeah, and there's actually a story about a giant who the woman who lives in the giant's house helps a character um, in an English story called Jack and the Beanstalk. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, you might be familiar That's with this. That's funny. I didn't, I didn't think of this connection. Well, because you're thinking devil and his grandmother. Right. And Jack and the Beanstalk is like a giant, giant and his wife. Yeah. But so it's like, there's that tale type of a a female figure in a house that protects the protagonist from the creature. And in Jack and the Beanstalk, it's a giant. Yeah. And in The Devil and His Grandmother, older versions of this story when it was being told pre-Christianity, it might have also been a story right. of a giant yeah. or a dragon that was going to give them some of his gold in return for something else, not a soul. But so yeah, just anytime that you're, if you're reading like a fairy tale and suddenly like Christianity pops up and it's like the devil, it's just like a fun fact to know that like at some point in that story's history, pre-Christianity, it was probably a completely different character in the story. Something else I thought was interesting that you I don't know if you're planning on getting there or if you know, but that struck me as kind of weird about it too, where he's talking about, you know, oh, if you, you have to serve me for seven years and then your soul will be mine. But it's like, what did they do to serve the devil or the dragon? It seems like he just gave them these gold whips and they were able to like 
live their lives, especially with it being the devil, because it talked about how, you know, they bought all these rich things for themselves and they lived, lived great lives and traveled the world, but they didn't do anything wicked. You know, it's like, in what way were they serving the devil? The de- Well, because I thought it was, well, maybe I'm getting stories confused. I don't know. Because there are some stories where they'll offer, where the devil will offer them, either you serve me the seven years up front. Uh or I give you seven really good years and then I keep you forever. forever. Maybe and that's so, what it was and I just yeah. misunderstood. Maybe. Because it is, well, because there are other tales where, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, and this one, and maybe it's just like the version and the place that I'm reading it, but it, it does seem, yeah, it does seem like it. Do, it's not like an either or thing. It's just like, I'm giving you this whip, but after seven years, you're mine. Yeah. The, um... There's another Grimm's fairy tale that has the devil in it. It's called The Devil's Sooty Brother. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, the devil's got a lot of relations and... that we didn't know anything about until the Grimm brothers came along. Yeah. So this brother is actually more of like an adopted brother situation. <laughs> because he was like, a, again, he was like a guy who, for whatever reason, was like, I would like to have something that I can't have. And the devil's like, I can get it for you. and he decides to do seven years working for the devil. And then when he comes out, he's like super rich, but very dirty. Uh And so people treat him really badly, even though like he's dirty. And so, I mean, that's a tale for like another time, but it's another, like a similar kind of thing. It's a similar situation. And serving the devil thing and even getting rich. And yeah. So I know in some tales, it, they either they have the choice of either seven years serving the devil and then the rest of their lives to have money, fame, whatever it is. And then in other stories, they only get the offer of you get seven years of fun up here and then your soul is right. Made. Which it seems like that's what this one is. It's like you get seven years, but then basically you're going to die. And your soul will be mine. Yeah. So it's like they're, they only had the seven years of life that they would have left, which does kind of make sense. Yeah. It's like, which, that's the payment that he did. He saved their lives. So he's like, you know what? Your soul's going to be mine, but I'll give you these last seven years that you can have. Yeah. Which, yeah, considering their alternative in the cornfield was like yeah. death. It's like, okay. Like immediate exactly. death. But then again, you know, if they have any fear for their immortal souls. But I do like how in this story, it makes a point to say, and they didn't do anything yeah. wicked. Because they're like, oh, no, you should still like them. Or, like, they're probably still good Christian protagonists that we should be cheering for, even if they do make deals with the devil. Because the other thing that I thought was kind of interesting about this story that seems a little different is, like, normally in stories where people are making a deal with the devil, like, the devil wins. Yes, but in this one, they win. Like, they actually defeat him. It's like, you're never going to... In most stories, it's kind of like, you know the person that tries to make a deal with the devil and is going to try to trick the devil. It's like, the devil's like the king of all tricksters, so he's going to out-trick you no matter what you try. But in this one, they, like, legitimately yeah. got away with it. Yeah. So, Which surprised me, and I thought was interesting. So, a lot of tales, and I don't know if this is true across the board or not, but it's... I f- it's more of like this modern reoccurring theme that if you make deals with the devil, then like you're going to have to pay for it like eventually. And that's again, like kind of that strengthening of that Christian moral Christian values system. While people back in the day, there used to be lots of stories about people making deals with like, the fae like fairies and other like wood folk and wood spirits and then the hero would always find some way to like wiggle out of it and so the hero was always this like clever person who was even like more clever than like the trickster or whatever and so those tales were seen as just more fun more heroic more entertaining As opposed to the ones that were very much like, well, when you make deals with the devil, I don't know what you expected. Yeah. Because lectures are fun, <laughs> but. <laughs> but this story, I really like this story. It's probably my favorite grim fairy tale that I've read. Oh, yeah. Just because there's like, 
Just because, I don't know, there's just so many fun elements. Like, even even the element of the dragon and, you know, like, the gold whips. Yeah, there it's it's a super fun one. I just, like, I truly, I want there to be some, like, buddy comedy movie. And it's, like, the devil and, like, his grandmother. And she, like, loves him and is rooting for him. But, like, also at the same <laughs> time, her, like, sweetness always, like, undermines what he's, yeah. like, trying to do. Like, I just want a whole series of that, of just, like, stories of him, like, trying to do something. And his grandma's, like, rooting for him, and she's, like, happy about it, but she's also, like, yeah, just constantly, accidentally, or on purpose without really thinking about it, like, undermining everything he's trying to do. He's like, no, I'm trying to be evil. (laughs) And she was like, well, but you... Maybe maybe we should give him cookies and then kill him. And it's like, grandma, (laughs) like... So... (laughs) Yeah, that's that's why this one is like one of my favorites. It, it like I don't know, it just tickles me to no end that like to imagine the devil with like a grandmother that she like loves him unconditionally even if he's like making these like just bad choices. So yeah, it's a fun one. Are you getting your kicks on Route 66? If you're passing by the Petrified Forest, make sure to stop in Joseph City on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday for Mr. G's Pizza. Ask for Andy, and if he's there, let him know that he can run from the law, but he can't run from the eyes of Zeus. Grab a slice or a whole pie to go, or enjoy Mr. G's Pizza in the back room, which features theater seats and movies perfect for the whole family. Mr. G's Pizza, the only restaurant in town worth going to. So in our Sleepy Hollow episode, we actually talked a little bit about how fairy tale elements and even pagan mythology elements from Europe made their way over to America and influenced the story, um, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and have influenced lots of different tales. And so it was interesting to me because this episode, when Jeff and I had first talked about kind of what we should do for what we could cover in January, we had thought about like, oh, well, we haven't done any tall tales yet. It'd be interesting, you know, to maybe do an episode on tall tales. And then when I was researching, I found a story that it reminded me a lot of the devil and his grandmother. And I was like, no, no, we're going to make a devil episode <laughs> instead because yeah i just absolutely love people making deals with the devil i guess that's like my favorite thing <laughs> unfortunately this story this tall tale it does not include a beautiful grandmother character oh, so what, what is even the point it's then? it's a loss <laughs> i know it's a huge loss for the community um so anyway quick recap so tall tales are stories that are presented as real and they have, but they have elements in them that are very fantastical so that it's kind of clear that they're not real, but they're being told as if like, this is the 100% truth that I'm telling you. A lot of them involve real people, which adds to the, like the element that like, wait, is this story real? But it doesn't like, have to uh, include like, real. Like Abraham people. Lincoln was a real person. Are you telling me that he actually hunted and killed vampires on the side? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's a completely real and true story. He was a man of many talents. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So tell tales. They're presented as fact that they really happened. And sometimes they do include real people or, real historical events like um davy crockett he's a real person he really fought in the alamo he's a real person um but there are a lot of tall tales about him and his life when like really he is a person (laughs) like didn't kill a bear when he was only three right that's not that's not real (laughs) uh something that's really fascinating about this genre is that the audience seems mostly aware that the story that they're hearing isn't real, but they are actively choosing to suspend their disbelief for the sake of just enjoying the story. Yeah. 
like they when they were hearing these tall tales they like knew that because it's even if you think about like fish stories like you know that probably your grandpa didn't almost get like eaten by a ghost bear in the middle of the woods while he was hunting like a giant fish. <laughs> but like, you don't want to really hear his boring hunting stories. You want to hear about him getting attacked by a ghost bear. Yeah. Like that's what is interesting. And so there is this kind of, with tall tales, there's this kind of like mutual understanding between the storyteller and the audience that the story isn't real, but it's being enjoyed because it's not real. Yeah. And I love that. Well, it reminds me of like one of my favorite movies ever, which is Big Fish. Big Fish. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah. obviously is a play on that whole idea. The, with the title of it being Big Fish, but it's just like, you know, the dad is telling stories about his life that are true, but he's telling it in a way that's like, just makes it way more fun. Yeah. But it irritates his son because his son wants like... Absolute the facts. The truth. He wants, yeah. Yeah, he wants uh, to hear facts and he's like irritated. And so since the son in that movie wasn't willing to suspend his disbelief to just enjoy the story... He felt lied to, and right. he felt like his dad was like a fake and a liar. Yeah. And he also thought, that was the other thing too, like, and it's a big thing just about art, you know, like whatever famous quote they talk about, like, you know, art, artists lie to tell the truth. It's like his son didn't believe that many of the true elements of the stories that his dad told were actually true because he just figured the whole thing was a lie. You know, it's like sometimes you can learn yeah. really good, important things interesting things because you're able to tell an interesting way because you're not beholden completely to the truth of what's going on, you know? Yeah. I like that. Thank you, Jeff. Great tangent. So the story that I'm going to tell you is the devil and major Stobo. And to make sure that this is a true tall tale being told in the proper frame of mind and <laughs> storytelling, I 100% believe everything I'm about to tell you is true and you should too. Oh, yeah. So, because I have, it's not a tall tale if I don't tell it as if it's true. Yes. Tall tales are very complicated. There's a lot of rules, more than you would expect. But this is the story about the devil and Major Robert Stobo. And then I'm definitely going to tell you more about Robert Stobo and his life when I'm done with this portion of telling the story of his life, because in this story, we're meeting him towards the end of his life. So major Stobo was a war hero. He was incredible at escaping from his enemies and fighting powerful fights. And he had had a really, really good life based on all of the like street cred that he got from being an amazing military person. He had an illustrious military career, but he was starting to get old. His eyes were starting to dim and his body ached and no women wanted to touch his old wrinkly body. I'm not telling you that for my pleasure. <laughs> I'm telling you that because it's part of the story. <laughs> Um, and when I was reading it with my husband while I was like on vacation, I was like, mm, I don't know how I feel about this guy. Because <laughs> he was very, very concerned about like nobody, no women wanting to touch his like old man body. It was like a major focus of like his angst. But also his feet throbbed. He had gout. He was not feeling good. Nobody came to call anymore at his house. Nobody, Aww. he couldn't throw any parties. It was just very hard for him. Oh, yeah. Felt bad. You got to feel, I, going old is hard, especially if, you know, you had such a wonderful life and now you feel like you have nothing. But apparently the only woman in his house was the cook and she was very ugly and that was a hardship for him. <laughs> Again, <laughs> he as a person was feeling these things. <laughs> so oh and i don't know if i mentioned the war that major robert stobo was in was the revolutionary oh no war. you didn't but i was wondering so 
Yeah, I'm like, let me place that in. It does because I for, for some everybody. reason I went straight to Civil War, but it does put a whole new, you know, view on the whole thing yeah. to know it was a Revolutionary War. Yeah. So he was grumbling to himself one evening. Old age be damned, I'd sell my soul to the devil to be rid of this confounded gout, to be able to do some inappropriate things to a woman. (laughs) I won't go into them. He does, and that's his own personal business. But he does call her a saucy wench. (laughs) So that's, that's for your pleasure to know. And also, he, yeah, he just had this long list of, like, he wants to have parties again. He wants to be able to hook up with women. He wants to be respected by kind of these new, younger, up-and-coming military officers. So, no sooner had he said these things that the devil popped up. And, of course, he came through the chimney because fire, I guess. And so when he like popped out of the fire, not a speck of soot or dirt was on him. He was dressed as a gentleman and looked just regal. And it said that uh, Major Stobo looked at him and thought, he is clearly a gentleman. I had always thought so of the devil. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wow, buddy. I'm just going to say, me and Major Stobo, I don't know if we would have gotten along like as like friends, but it's fine. It was a different time. He was a product of his era. Anyway, so Satan was asked, like, what did you need me for? And the Major was kind of like, well, you know, my body's falling apart. I don't have any more money. I have no respect from people and I don't get to hook up with the saucy wench that I want to (laughs) hook up with. And the devil was like, of course, I actually overheard some of your lament earlier on and I am here entirely at your command. I will give you whatever you want. Your gout, it's already starting to feel better. You can feel it in your body, can't you? And Major Stobo was like, I can. I am starting to feel better. Oh, this is like wonderful. (laughs) And the devil was like, super, you're going to be hooking up with a saucy wench by like this evening. Once you and I are like done with like the little deal we're going to make, I will, you'll have the respect. You'll have a glass, uh, you'll have a, um, oh, what are they called? It was like a Stein, except not German, but like, he's just going to have this like big, like tankard beer mug tankard yes he's gonna have this big old tankard just sitting on his mantelpiece that will always be overflowing with cash he'll always be able to dip his hand in and pull out gold coins and he's like i will give all of this to you if that's what you desire and of course major stobo was like of course that's what i want that sounds wonderful (laughs) and the devil was like okay cool there's just a small matter of the price General Stobo was like, all right, let's hear it. Like, what's what's the downside to this? And the devil said, I will let you enjoy all of these things, having like a strong, healthy body, having women all over you, having money and having respect from the other men. So Major Stobo was like, okay, what are the conditions for me uh, getting all of this stuff? The, the women, the money, the respect, all of it. And the devil was like, well, I have a piece of parchment here, a document for you to peruse over the agreements. All, we, all you and I need to agree on is the, the, the time, like how much time you have left. And then for you to sign it, shall we say three years time you'll repay me? And uh, Major Stobo was like, can we make it seven? And Satan was like, of course, seven years and then repayment will be due. I just need you to sign the document. And so Major Stobo was like, well, I'm an old man and my eyes are very bad. He was like, I need to go into my study so that I can get my spectacles So I can make sure to get a good look at the document so I understand all the terms and conditions. And also I left my wax seal in there 
And so that I can make it official with my official seal. And the devil was like, of course, of course, like go and look and sign. And so Major Stobo got up and he took the document into his study where he, and he closed the door. So the devil was like outside and he sat down and he looked over the document and it said, for services rendered, Major Robert Stobo hereby bequeaths his body and soul to myself, this promissory note to fall due seven years from signing. And so Major Stobo, it said, the Major had been many things in his life, soldier, Indian fighter, duelist, womanizer, and card sharp. <laughs> and it said in that time, he would kind of picked up a couple little tricks. And... Uh, because of, you know, you have to be pretty smart and clever if you're going to be a womanizer and a card sharp. So it said he took from a drawer a vial that he had of invisible ink. And in between the words body and soul, he wrote in tiny letters, in no wise my immortal. So that then it read, for services rendered, Major Robert Stobo hereby bequeaths his body... And in no wise his immortal soul. Ah. Uh, to myself, the devil. Ah, so he wrote in invisible ink and then he uh, heated up his sealing wax and put his coat of arms onto it. And then he returned the document to the devil. Yep, everything so looks the devil good. Was like, there you go. <laughs> yep, he. He's like, everything checks out. Here's all your stuff. So, and of course, I know you're all wondering after the devil left what went on. And of course, Major Robert Stobo hooked up with some uh, saucy big wenches. chested broad. Uh, some saucy <laughs> wenches. Because I know everyone was like, they were like, I gotta know, did he get the wenches? He did get the wenches. And so he immediately, the men, the military men who like were in the area started coming to his house to visit with him, to hear his stories of all of his like victories and conquests and all of his uh, military might and ask him for advice on maneuvers and all kinds of stuff. So he felt really good about himself and he had lots of money. So he threw lots of parties, got just... Had lots and lots of fun for like seven years. Towards the end of his seven years, his body started to break back down. The closer and closer it got to the time, the, the end of the terms of the contract. Uh -huh. So in the last year, he started losing lots of weight. His skin was sagging. His teeth were all falling out. And so, of course, the women were not interested in him anymore. <laughs> and so... Things were very hard for him personally. So his body, you know, was just starting to deteriorate so that finally when the time came for the devil to suddenly pop up in his chimney again, Major Stobo felt really ready, you know, to be done with all of it. He felt like he had had his glory years and really got to enjoy himself. And so... He was not surprised when, after seven years, the devil pops up in his chimney, looking as glamorous as ever. And the devil says, oh, Major, you're starting to look unwell. <laughs> and the Major's like, yeah, you know, it happens. And so the devil smiling is like, I hope you're aware that payment is now come due. And so I'm here to collect it. I can imagine that you have no objections. And he pulled out the original document and he said, as you can see, everything is in order. And Major Stobo said, oh, you know me, my eyes, they're, they're starting to go back to the way they were. It's really hard for me to see. My whole body's been deteriorating. Would you be able to hand me a candle? And so the devil hands him a candle so that he can look at the document and so major stobo just puts the letter uh the document he puts like the candle under the document so it heats up the paper and so suddenly the invisible ink that he had written with becomes visible under the candle's heat and so the major said 
Oh, yes, everything does look like it's in order. I hope that you have noted that my <laughs> body is entirely yours, but my immortal soul remains uh, like out of your grasp. <laughs> And it said the devil took it badly, which I'm like, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like, what I love is that it says he was like, cods and bollocks, purgatory and damnation. I'm bubbled and buggered. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm deeply hurt, Major. I thought you were a gentleman. <laughs> and it was like, oh, wow. So, yeah, Major Simba was like, you're welcome, to my body if you wanted. I don't know what you could get for it, though. <laughs> and the devil is like, I don't want your body. Your body is a piece of garbage. And so the devil left full of anger and rage. And it says soon after that, the major died. And he went up to meet all of his military friends who had passed before him. Oh, so that is the true story of <laughs> Major, Major Robert Stobo's life. So Major Robert Stobo was a real person. That's what I want you to know. That actually and fought he, in the Revolutionary War, I'm assuming. That actually fought in the Revolutionary War. And he, did you say recently? Because I thought that'd be hilarious if you were like, he fought recently <laughs> in the Revolutionary War. Since I'm always like playing with um, <laughs> time. Anyway, so Major Robert Stobo, he was a real person. And he was a Scots-American. So like most people who lived during like the, Re the revolutionary time, right. they weren't indigenous to the area. But he was, for the years that he f fought, he was in a lot of really notable battles. He did a lot of really like incredible things while he was alive. On AmericanHeritage.com, there's actually kind of like a write-up about his life. It's like 12 pages, like oh, 12 wow. like internet yeah. pages. So like it's a pretty, he he had a really long, very interesting, or not long military career, but like he was involved in the revolution from like start to finish. Wow. So, And he met a lot of cool people, was like really well thought of, but it says... Captain Robert Stobo, because he started off as a captain, he later became a major, um, just so the people aren't confused. Uh, he enters the pages of history on horseback at the head of a company of provincial Virginian troops marching as reinforcements into Colonel George Washington's encampment on the western border. So he started his, like, career working for... George Washington, when George Washington was like leading the military. Wow. Um, so Captain Robert Stobo departs seven years later after a career in which he distinguished himself in the battle that opened one of the longest and bloodiest wars of the 18th century. He was turned over to the enemy as a hostage for promises that would not be fulfilled. He wrote a letter that made him an international figure. He was sentenced to have his head cut off. He escaped from prison twice and was recaptured twice, escaped a third time to lead a small band through 700 miles of enemy territory, was twice captured by pirates, was given an ovation by his government, consorted with the mightiest men of his day, and played a major role in winning one of history's decisive battles. Wow, what a boring life. So, but now he's considered actually one of the most undervalued heroes of the colonial period and it actually has to do with the way that he died. Oh, because like I've never since, heard of him. Since Yes. Well, see this is why we say don't make deals with the devil. Because he sold his soul to the devil and so now history does not look kind <laughs> on him. Because I told you a true story, Jeff. Yeah. That was that was truly and really how he died. No, actually, the the way that he died, it's actually, it's a lot sadder. This, the story I told you is much better. So, <laughs> Would that he had sold um, his soul to the devil. Yeah. So when people kind of were trying to figure out, like, what happened to this guy? Because he 
kind of seemed very, very prominent. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, like, wasn't around. And so people were kind of like historians were interested in like kind of what happened to him. And they actually found he was in another battle. And this was on a paper that was given to like his sisters or like it was because he got like an award given to his sisters, like in his honor, he was in a battle and it appears that a, like a, a wall or something like a cannon hit it and the wall fell down onto him and it didn't kill him. Yeah. But he was severely wounded to the point that like he was never physically capable of really doing the work that he had loved doing. Right. And which was like having this illustrious career, being this like amazing hero, like escaping from pirates and like escaping from prison after being sentenced to death. And like, so all this stuff. And then he, it's not even that he got killed in battle. It's that he got wounded so much in battle that, he was alive. Oh, man. But suffering. Oh, geez. And so, uh, so inside of like kind of this award that was given to his sisters, it, you know, it thanked him for his service and like their family's like sacrifice to the war efforts and stuff like that. But he wasn't dead. So people were like, well, but what happened to yeah. him? Yes. So in 1770, in a newspaper called the Westminster Journal, there was a little notation. It said, we hear from Chatham that on Tuesday afternoon, about three o'clock, the following melancholy accident happened in the barracks there. Captain Stobo of the 15th Regiment, now lying in his barracks, shot himself. It seemed he had been disordered in his mind for some, and then not legible, but probably some time before. Oh, and had for several days past drank extremely hard. The coroner's inquest sat on the body on Wednesday and brought in their verdict, lunacy. And so super sad real story of um, what happened with him yeah. that he he couldn't perform the duties that he needed to. He wasn't of sound mind. After the accident. And it's unclear whether he wasn't of sound mind because of the accident. Right. Like, or whether, like, I mean, like a direct cause, like, because like it said when the wall fell on him. Yeah. So it's unclear whether it, it was brain damage that was caused or whether he was depressed. Yeah. From not being able to do what he needed to do. Right. And so it's, it's like reality is not a great story sometimes, or it's not like the satisfying story that we want to hear. Yeah. I mean, this guy was a major war hero that like the stories that people could tell about him that were true were awesome. Where it's just like objectively cool. Yeah. And especially in like a revolutionary context of like, like, yeah, he was on the front lines. He fought with George Washington. He was trusted in all these like military battles. He rose in ranks and was constantly doing these incredible things. And so like, it makes a lot of sense to me that like tall tales sometimes even though everybody kind of knows they're not true, they feel better. Like they serve yeah. a psychological purpose of changing the story so that it's something that's like more heroic than maybe reality, but reflects more on what the person was like. Yeah. Like the death that he deserved. He deserved to go out tricking the devil. You know, he like he escaped pirates. He escaped. Yeah prison he is he deserved to escape this like eternal damnation that the devil was trying to ensnare him in yeah and in some way you know he deserved to like finish his life with lots of saucy wenches 
<laughs> surrounding him. <laughs> if women are prizes, then he deserved one. So, <laughs> or several. It was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> when they <laughs> were writing the story. What is interesting, I mean, hearing about that and then it's like, again, going back to Big Fish, which spoilers incoming for a movie that's been out <laughs> for over 10 years or whatever. But it's the same thing, you know, like in the end, the son kind of comes around and realizes, you know, his dad deserves a story of his death that's better than what it was, which is, you know, dying in a hospital with no one but his son, like, by his side or whatever. Which isn't a bad which yeah. isn't a bad way to go anyway. You know, I mean, his son was there with him and they kind of reconciled. But he was, like, you know, telling him how the story ends and he ends with this big fantastical thing and all the people in his life that he affected and loved were there with him. And, you know, it's kind of a cool way to pay tribute to somebody that was, like, an important figure and that did do yeah. a lot of cool things. Yeah, because it is, like, Reality and life sometimes just doesn't give us the satisfying ending that things deserve. Like things don't clean up neatly. Things don't, um, not all things come right in the end. There's not always like justice or fairness in life. Like sometimes it just like somebody's life will end and there's a bunch of stuff left unsaid. There's stuff like left not done. And so storytelling allows people to kind of like finesse someone's life into something that feels more satisfying and like yeah like what you said like reflects kind of what they more or less like deserved to have happen so we talked a little bit before i started the story about how tale types will find their way into more modern types of stories And just like, you know, the story that Jeff told that's the devil and his grandmother where, you know, you've got this like tale where there's this devil and a soldier who is like trying to trick the devil into giving him like a better life. And then he's able to succeed. And you have that same type of story being used for a tall tale and they happen to just kind of stick in like a real person into that kind of like tale type because it is very satisfying to be like oh yeah oh you know major stobo like he he was amazing at getting out of scrapes i bet he could trick the devil himself to get hit like trick himself like out of hell and someone's like actually i know a story and then you know you can see how that natural progression yeah can happen to to turn it into that and it's also we talked a little bit at the beginning i think jeff like you mentioned how you, you we don't see a whole lot of stories where the devil gets tricked the devil gets beaten and and people win because now kind of like the stories that when it includes like Satan, the kind of more religious way of looking at it is to be like, you can't trick Satan. And so you just need to live a good life. You need to like live a clean life and hold to like the principles that, you know, and, and trust in like your Lord. And, but I feel like lately I'm seeing more and more examples of, people actually being able to like trick these giant characters. I'm thinking of even like supernatural. The there's a television show called supernatural. If people have not watched it, like you probably be into it. If you're here listening to us (laughs) tell stories about supernatural creatures and stuff like I'm, you should probably give it a check out, but you know, they're constantly trying to like trick demons and trick the the devil and the king king of hell and and they're always finding loopholes and ways around things and like doing things and and we just enjoy as human beings we just enjoy watching regular old human beings be able to find ways to to trick and outwit these kind of large supernatural beings that seem unstoppable we've always as human beings had that drive to like imagine ourselves as capable of like 
not just being human, but almost being superhuman. Yeah. In a way. And so I think these stories really reflect how through different parts of time, there's still this need and desire to have things both ways, both get all of the gold and the riches and reward of that, but then also being able to like not have to pay for it <laughs> like <laughs> in the end, not really having to sell your soul, being able to like have everything and also be smart enough and clever enough to trick the devil himself. You've been listening to the fairy tellers podcast. If you enjoyed what you listened to, please leave us a review and share with your friends. For more fairy tale content, head over to thefairytellers.wordpress.com for lighthearted retellings, or follow us on Instagram for daily fairy tale memes at thefairy underscore tellers, or even join the conversation on our Facebook page. Special thanks to Andrew Forey for our music and Clarice Inch for our artwork. This episode contains additional music from Kevin McLeod at Incompetech Music. Check him out at Incompetech.com. May you have warm words on a cold evening, a full moon on a dark night, and a smooth road all the way to your door. An Irish blessing. It is time to talk about the devil. We're glad that we have you here so that we can talk to you about the devil. We're glad that you made it here to be with us today, because we need to talk to you about the devil. Satan. I love using the devil as a vehicle for discussion. Thanks, Satan. There's just going to be a bunch of audio clips of me doing weird voices. <laughs> just. Oh, gosh. And now my Alexa is like, did you say something to me? Now calling Satan. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke I was about to make.